Hey, hello and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock and this week on the podcast we have Ashley Gass. Ashley is the CEO of MOVE, a gymnastic strength training gym. This was a great conversation, a wide-ranging conversation, and I have to say this one comes with an apology. Ashley and I had this conversation back in early February and honestly, both of us never noticed that we never put the podcast out. It was wonderful. We had a great conversation. I genuinely don't know what happened. We chatted the other day and I mentioned her being on the podcast and she mentioned, oh, I remember that, but I don't, did that ever come out? And I assumed it had. I thought that you had all heard this conversation a long time ago and it turns out you hadn't. So Ashley, I apologize. We're still in touch. She's doing great. I think you're going to like this one. Coach to coach with Ashley Gass. Ashley Gass, welcome to the Feel Strong Podcast. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm excited to have you on today. Cool. You've got the, you're loving the PA weather. Philly is actually, weirdly, it's in the mid-60s in mid-February in Philly right now, so that doesn't make any sense, and it definitely means the world is ending, but it's a nice day to walk around. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, if the world's gonna end, you wanna be warm and a little comfortable, so, good. Yeah, might as well, like, enjoy it, like, get some color while it's all going down, I'm okay with it. Right, right. good. <laughs> Ashley, you are the co-owner and CEO of MOVE, subtitle, Gymnastics Inspired Strength Training down in Clearwater, correct? Yes. This is exactly the kind of gym that I wish existed in Philadelphia because I've tried to create like mini versions of it in and around the gym I work at. Would you tell people a little bit about what is MOVE? Because nothing I said gives them a lot of information yet. For sure. So MOVE was just born out of my recovery from uh, uh, many back injuries over, over years and then the uh, final kind of like the big blowout neurosurgery and I discovered gymnastic bodies via uh, Rob Wolf's podcast and the interview that he had with Christopher Summer. So that's the foundation of Move uh, was the, sort of the concept started before it was even a concept because I was able to um, recover from that using calisthenics integrated with traditional strength training. So what we do at Move is we do that. We integrate a lot of a lot of mobility, stretching, calisthenics, otherwise known as you know a lot of body weight movements, gymnastic skill type movements, and we integrate that stuff into squats and deadlifts and pull ups and chin ups and all this stuff that folks kind of know when they walk into a gym that they're going to be doing normal strength training stuff. So that's us. We we merge together both of those worlds so that folks that train with us get the best of traditional strength and conditioning and calisthenics. That's what we that's what we become really good at. I absolutely love it. And I think the gymnastics calisthenics side is often overlooked and sometimes gets put into a couple of categories. There's the CrossFit category where everything is kipping and everything as fast as possible. Right. And right. I love CrossFit and I have CrossFit clients, but that's that's a very tiny segment of gymnastics. There's the uh, gymnastics people see at the Olympics, which is completely out of reach for very good reason for most people. And there's kind of like show off in the park gymnastics. And I think of the, the gymnastics bodies inspired stuff and other calisthenic stuff I've done as kind of somewhere between the show off in the park CrossFit and a third segment, which is sort of 
healthcare and improving positions and how the, the right. fundamentals of this work can be so powerful in creating strength, mobility, flexibility, durability, the ability to do all of the other things people want to do. And watching a guy do 30 bar muscle ups doesn't translate in people's brain to that. Could you yeah. explain to people why calisthenics is so useful for folks? Yeah, because most of most people are really out of touch with their bodies and spend most of their time sitting. So they don't get a chance to use their bodies. They might go and jump on the elliptical or go for a walk, which is great, or join a gym and never go. So with calisthenics, what it does is it tends to go, it tends to find people's weaknesses really fast. And those weak points, whether it's weakness in strength or weaknesses in getting into positions or something like going up and down stairs. A lot of people lack the hip mobility to do that after a certain age. So one of the reasons calisthenics I think is so effective is because it goes straight into what we're not good at. Um, and it teaches us how to be better at our own body and our, our bodies can't help but heal and get stronger when we learn how to use them better. <laughs> Yeah, that mastery of position also teaches a lot of proprioception. And for right. someone like you were describing who might be having trouble with stairs, yes, they probably need some strength. Yes, they probably need some mobility. They also probably need some balance, some coordination, some, yeah. some locomotion control. And a way to put all those together under a coach's eye can be terrifically powerful. Right. Yeah. And, and to your point, and you probably see a lot of these same folks as well, is even a basic skill like standing on one leg can be quite difficult for folks at first um, of all age ranges and then you take that and you can progress it into more advanced skills like calf raises or tibialis anterior raises or split squats which split squats do wonders for opening up the hips and hip extension um, and start to establish uh, you know a, a strong bum again and you you can just do that with a lot of folks that are struggling with hip strength and mobility and you can kind of knock out it's like sort of knocking out four birds with one stone so would you, you referenced it a moment ago, but I think it's a really inspiring story. Would you mind, because you've got quite an origin story for coming to move. Would you mind yeah. recounting that a little bit for people? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for asking. It's kind of interesting because I, I, I go, well, gosh, would move even be around if that hadn't happened? And I, I would, I can honestly say, I don't, I, I don't know how it would be. Um, so I was just, you know, over the course of my twenties, I had really well established, um, and I, I hate using this term, excuse me, my phone is off, but I don't like using this term, but I had really well established disc degeneration at the, uh, L4, L5 segment, like really well established and well established, uh, um, osteoarthritic facet joints. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, I was 21 years old and the radiologist reading the MRI was like, how is this happening in a 21 year old? It really didn't add up. Um, so I just kind of dealt with pain for ever. And, uh, you know, as we all do, or we were all hard charging athletes and okay. It's like, if, if we couldn't bend over to put our shoes on one day, we just lie on the ground and put our shoes on and go out the door, you know, like we just made it work. So by the time I was 34, um, that segment had worn out pretty well. It had herniated a little bit several times. And then there was the big herniation. It was a seven millimeter protrusion. And then it, um, that's, a, you know, seven millimeters in the, the world of the spine is kind of a big deal. 
and then it fragmented and the, the pieces that fragmented landed around the S1 nerve root and that feeds the S1 dermatome, which is the whole lateral side of the leg. It was, on, it was my left leg. So lateral glute, lateral hamstring, lost the Achilles reflex. Within about five to six days, I lost a good portion of size from my calf because I was just neurologically like, it was drop leg, not drop foot. So I knew I was in serious trouble, but I kind of didn't give it as much credit as I should have. I, I was thinking one day I might still wake up and everything would be fine. And my colleagues like Dale Buckberger and et cetera were like, hey, dumbass, <laughs> you need an MRI real fast and you're probably going to have to go see a neurosurgeon. Um, so I did, did that, went to go see the neuros, a couple of neurosurgeons and landed in the hands of Chris Mickler here in Clearwater, who is awesome. And I saw him on a Wednesday and I'll never forget because he just looked at me and he's like, well, what are you doing on Friday? Because if we don't get these fragments off this nerve root, that thing can atrophy and I would then be at risk for losing that dermatome, you know, forever. It doesn't recover. So uh, that was that. Um, that was the injury. It was just, it wasn't like an uh, injury. It was just an accumulation of micro trauma over years. And, uh, three months after neurosurgery, uh, I mean, I never stopped training. I was doing pull-ups and pushes and lunges and lower body training. I just had to really watch my legs. So I didn't literally, so I didn't fall over. It's kind of weird. Um, <clears throat> I found that podcast just for summer rub wolf, bought all the gymnastic body curriculum, dove right into it. Cherry picked it at first, kind of overestimated, overestimated myself, <laughs> uh, but you know, pretty quickly figured out that I was you know, cherry picking and I shouldn't do that. I needed to really dive into the whole thing. I went to about six level one seminars over about a year and a half, did a lot of work with the GB and coach summer and all the affiliates at that time. And just got out of just got out a year and a half later, had another MRI done. And structurally there were great changes. The osteoarthritic stuff went, went from severe to mild. Um, the posterior lysthesis had gone from a grade two to, to not even visible, which you don't usually see those changes. So that made its way around interwebs nine years ago, of course. And um, I started to incorporate all the material into training with my clients. Did that for years and years and years and met my business partner and made substantial changes in his life. And four years after working together, he was like, well, hey, let's expand. So that was how Move was born, was out of out of that story and the injury and then just kind of getting myself out of it. And thank God for that and GB. And I think a lot of coaches, there's a decent amount of coaches and fitness wellness professionals in the audience. And a lot of them, I think, will resonate with that story when they have that moment. Like, a thing happened. My life was changed. Yeah. I, need to, I need to get this to other people. This is too important. I'm going to find a way to broadcast this. But a lot of them, one, aren't very successful for a number of reasons. And I think part of the reason is they're very unclear on what they do. You know, someone gets in shape or loses weight or changes their blood work or something happens and they feel better. Like, well, I want to do this. And they will try and give their exact program to the world. Well, I'm yeah. going to write the 16-week the, the program I did and I'll sell that online. And not only will I be a millionaire, but I'll fix everyone. <laughs> and it doesn't work that way because it doesn't work for everybody. Right. In looking over your stuff, it seems like y'all do a really good job individualizing this training for people. Taking this... this broad spectrum of movements and, and gymnastics inspired strength training and dialing it into a, a variety of people. I mean, both you have a remark, even just on your Instagram, you have a remarkable spectrum of folks showing up in training. How do you assess someone and decide what the right way in for them is and how they fit in this world of move? It's a great question. So, um, I'll kind of answer it. I'll bring you back to the days where I was seeing most of our folks one-on-one. -on -one. 
Um, how I did it was I just made sure I was very clear on that person. I would sit down, we would do an assessment. Sometimes that would last an hour and a half to two hours before starting anything that would include a movement screen, but I'd have a pretty good idea of, the, of their background and what had worked for them in the past, what hadn't. The least of my concerns was anybody losing weight. I mean, that's just boring for me. You know, you can lose weight and lose fat mass in a number of different ways, but um, I just wanted to know where these folks were coming from. And then from there, physical screen gets pretty easy because folks can either do things or they can't. So I, I would just narrow, I would just get exposure to seeing shoulder mobility, wrist mobility, um, hip mobility. What was their strength like? Could they hang? Could they even come close to doing a body weight chin up? I would just, it, would, it was very clear cut. They were either really strong in certain areas and, and not in others. And I would highlight the strengths and make note of weaknesses and then just design program from there. And that's how we do it now, even at move. Uh, I mean, we've got six incredible coaches that have so much knowledge, Jay, Jorge, Chris, Chase, Ivana. I mean, the guys especially have so much experience. They do exactly the same thing in our fundamentals program, which is the feeder into classes. Um, it's a one-on-one -on -one program. So we spend time with everybody before they're in classes, making sure that we know what they can do. And it's just, it's really just a matter of knowing what to look for in what progressions and being smart enough as a coach to take a, a client through a whole series of movements and to be able to identify what they can do and what they can't do. And that's, we're all really, really, really good at that. And I would say that's a huge part of our success over the last five years now is just being awesome with progressions. And being able to give people the appropriate prescription for where they are. And I want to highlight something you said earlier because it is exactly how we operate and a lot of coaches are scared to do it. You said you do an hour and a half to two hour assessment and it's mostly talking. Yeah. Just learning about the person. Who are they? Where did they come from? What's their injury history? What are their actual goals? And they say, well, I want to lose weight. I just want to get in shape. And you're like, okay, we have another 20-minute conversation ahead of us to figure out what you even mean by that. We got to yes. start digging. But it's, it will give you so much information and actually bring you to the starting line of what can be a successful program as opposed to what more hesitant coaches will be or people who are still like have a lot of imposter syndrome. You know, someone mm -hmm. shows up with a credit card. They're like, I just want to get in shape. You're like, Great. We got it. Come on in, run this thing. Let's take a deposit. Let's get you in class and then we'll figure it out. And you're just, you're making it so much less likely that even with all of your, even if you're an expert, it's so much less likely that you'll succeed because you don't even know where to start. Right. You're right. And I get, if that's how a lot of folks in gyms operate, I'm like, okay, whoa, I'm just not used to that world. But yeah, I guess, you know, if, that's how a lot of coaches are doing it, having people come in and okay, yep, we can we this we have this class package or these individual packages and just jump into class. It's just a poor, poor, poor way of doing business for everybody because I think that you know you'd have to look at the statistics, but it'd be interesting to to see how long those clients last. Mm -hmm. uh, do they just bounce from one gym to another? And uh, how long do those coaches last at that facility? What's the retention of the coaches? Well, that's also something I want to ask you. But I think to your earlier point, you know, if you call up, this is at least I believe this is probably true in Philadelphia, and I'm sitting in a gym that doesn't do this. But if you call every gym in a, I don't know, a 10 mile radius and say, hey, um, I need to get in shape. Uh, I hurt my knee really badly a while ago, and I'm not sure what to do. All of them will say, we can help you. 
Right. They don't know. They're, they have no reason to know that that's true. They don't know anything about you. What if I hurt my knee means I was in a car accident yesterday? If right. you tell me that, be like, you don't even, don't show up. You should see somebody and get clearance right. and figure out what's going on. And you might need yeah. an x-ray. Like, there's so much work we have to do. Right. Uh, having a longer conversation, maybe. But I think, the, the unfortunately, the standard in the fitness industry is like, yep, uh-huh, sure, we can definitely do it. And then when it doesn't work, to turn around and blame the client because, oh, they weren't compliant or they didn't show up or, you know, they just yeah. didn't try hard enough or something. When they, so often they are mis placed right yeah or they just <laughs> i love the well, my knees will get better when i lose 20 pounds well perhaps there's you know a shred of truth to that it could help but eh, in and of itself probably not so much uh i know and the you know that's I, I think it's just a little bit of the it's a bit of society because i i feel that a lot of folks don't have the they just haven't been taught to to, to ask better questions and to ask questions so when someone calls our gym or they reach out and send us a text and they, they give us that information, we get on the phone with them as soon as possible. And the first thing that we do is we just ask questions. Hey, like, how did you find us? Um, tell us a little bit about what's up and what are you looking for? So almost everybody walking through the door before they get in, they've talked to one of us and we know, hey, that's Cassandra. And she mentioned she, she you know, she's had some problems with her shoulders and she doesn't want to she wants to train, but doesn't want to hurt herself anymore. So we're going to do this intro class with uh, with Chase so that he knows she's got some stuff going on with her shoulders and he knows to be on the lookout for that and to scale appropriately. That's just how we do it. And it might be why people like to come in and see us is, is that's, you know, we, we can help a lot of people, but we find out who we're dealing with before they just jump into the intro class. <clears throat> do you do both one-on-one -on -one and group classes? Yes. So we do, we have a bunch of sort of divisions of the business. We have one-on-one -on -one private training where folks for whatever reason, don't, don't do many classes or any classes. And then we have folks that do classes and private. So we have a hybrid membership, meaning that folks that have class memberships also have privates and they might have with their membership, a private a month, but they might have a private a week. They might have a private every other week. It depends because what we, what we like is to have folks not just join as a member and come to classes and have no contact with their coach anymore. So we like all of our, all of our folks to have, to have their coach for life and to be successful in classes and to have someone that is really accountable for them. And I learned this model and, uh, and part of the, and you may have heard of this group. Let me know if you have the Mad Lab School of Business. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a, that we, we run our, uh, our model off of that. And it's been really useful because it's, it's a, it's a great foundation for everybody to work from and to become coaches that actually have a huge incentive to work hard and do a great job because the better they do, the better they do. And the better they do, the better the clients do, the better everybody does. So it's a win, win, win system. And you can do something which also very few gyms are doing and actually create careers for coaches. So people can coach for a living instead of coach as a hobby, which there's lots of passionate, excited, brilliant, educated coaches out there coaching three classes a week, but they yeah. spend 45 hours a week doing something else. And it's just, as my, my, my friend and pseudo mentor, Sean Pastuch says, like you part-time can never be as good as you full-time. You just can't. Right. That's super true. Interesting. I'm really, I'm really glad that you, you, you're familiar with that model. Yeah. 
the model. Yeah, Mad Lab's been around for a long time. They've done some great work. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they've been really helpful for me personally. Because coming into this, I didn't, I had, I was successful as a sole practitioner. I wasn't mm -hmm. successful as very a, different as an owner operator of a facility. We didn't even know how to structure. I mean, we just had memberships and we thought everyone was just going to come in and sign up when we started. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was talking to a good friend yesterday who's opening, opening a, a facility soon. And we had the conversation. I was like, do you want to be a coach or do you want to be a gym owner? Because those are different. Uh, and we got to the, it turns out they, they are very happy to be a gym owner, which is great because they're excited to run a facility and do the marketing and hire mentor, educate staff and develop that. And that's what owner, as you well know, that's what owners do. Coaches coach. Now there's lots of owners who also coach, but yep. being an awesome coach doesn't make you a, an owner at all. I mean, yeah, a great owner doesn't mean you're any good at coaching. It's terrifying. <laughs> thinking yep. that you can be amazing at both. It was hard. I mean, yeah, the transition for me was gradual, but um, we got to the point where I just knew uh, coaching. I had been coaching for 20 years. It wasn't my passion anymore. And the, the coaches are better than I am at coaching. I don't want to coach in person much anymore. I mean, I'll do, I'll do it with some people, uh, but I find coaching in the online space is a lot more effective for me. I can really use my my men i can use my brain to coach and whereas in person there's there's that level of sort of like personal interaction and so i'm just not i can't i'm not interested in that anymore i did it for a long time so the transition was gradual and good coaches allowed that transition to happen because we needed someone to actually run the business and actually do all that stuff rather than just kind of doing it in between the lines so coach jay was one of the first guys that allowed for that to happen yeah. That's a really important step, and it's often hard for coaches turned gym owners to do that. But it sounds like you also did a, a good job finding and developing the right staff so it it wasn't a hugely stressful thing and you didn't have to look over their shoulder all the time. Yeah. No, not not all the time. I mean, as you're you know very well aware in the early stages, you definitely have to be kind of heavy on the micromanagey side. But someone who's got clear direction and clear guidance and it knows what their job is, knows what their roles are and can execute day in and day out. Those are awesome people. Awesome people. Cause then it makes my life a lot easier and they do better. So then you can fully support them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At, at your, at your gym, Justin, do you have other coaches that you're working with or how are you, how are you set up? So I am, I own feel strong. And we do online and in-person work, all one-on-one, -on -one, all custom. Uh, overwhelmingly, people coming back from setbacks, injury, chronic pain, return to sport, things like that. People have been like knocked out of fitness for 10 years and aren't sure how to get back in. That's sort of our, our subspecialty. I also work within a gym and I coach a group class or two a week. And I take some of their personal training clients. So within the gym, I am a coach. I, I might technically be the head coach, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. It just means I've been here right. longest, I think. Right. Um, but there's five coaches, including the owner, and it's a you know a pretty level playing field. And everyone has. I do overwhelmingly personal training. Some people do overwhelmingly group, and more and more people are taking on more one-on-one -on -one clients. And then we regularly meet as a staff to discuss everybody. Like is. It, 
th yeah. this client's having yeah. issues, this client needs, someone needs to have a chat because they actually shouldn't be in group as much as they are. We need to get them working on that shoulder, working on that ankle, or someone needs to have a, a talk about load versus capacity with them because they're burning the candle down from both ends. Um, but it's very much a, a group project in that way. Interesting. Okay, cool. I love it. I love that you guys get together and talk to about, talk about clients. That's important. It's really useful. And even we have a small group model that's just gotten off the ground where everyone, it's, um, it's basically an individual design model, if that means anything to you. So there's, let's say, six people in a room. All of them have their own program. They're on, they, they're, they're on their tablet. Uh, their coach has written a program for them. They are executing that program. There is a uh, lead coach in the room watching everyone do their workouts who also has access to all their workouts. That coach may or may not have written their program. Coach Nick may be on the 6 a.m. Monday, and I wrote two of the people's programs in there. So the people nice. are writing in their tablet and giving me feedback. Nick is also there correcting things. Nick is also sending me notes. Be like, yeah. hey, so Andrea was doing these split squats, and she cannot control her back knee to the ground the way that she says she can. So you okay. might want to add a tempo or change the depth or talk with her about that, but something else is going on. And that's a really nice, it's, it's a version of a hybrid model where it's yeah. still super specific design work, but uh, mm -hmm. much more accessible to people. It's also uh, vastly cheaper than, you know, one-on-one -on -one training four times a week. Doing the small group model is less than half the price um, because you can have one coach kind of supervising and coaching people per session. That's cool. I like it. So it's like open gym. Everyone can come in. They're doing their own program. Yeah, I like it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's open gym with a fixed starting time, right? I so it's it. not like sometime in these four hours, but like you're in the 6 a.m. session or you're in the 7.30 a.m. session or you're the 9 a.m. session. Show up, get your work done. You, you've signed up ahead of time. People know you're coming. Your workout is pulled up on the tablet. You're logged in before you walk in the room and mm -hmm. away you go. So it keeps people really accountable and having a coach there makes a really big difference we found. Um, as opposed to like we've in our previous open gym model, there'd be a coach, you know, in the room, but not, you know, didn't necessarily know what program you were doing or what you're working on or things like that. Basically would like ask hmm. questions and try and keep people from killing themselves. This is much more hands-on, much more specific. I like that. I'm just making a quick note about it. It's that's, that's a good, I like that concept. Uh, it's working very well and I'm really excited about it. It's also a great way to transition people who've been in one-on-one -on -one and don't necessarily need one-on-one -on -one anymore. It's very right. common for me to get people who absolutely need eyes on all of the time for the first, I don't know, make up a number, the first four months, they yeah. have to have a coach there with them, correcting, making sure, every, but as we get better and better, and as they display more and more competency and they get stronger and they get more stable, you get to the point where like, you know, you could do, you, you don't need me next to you for all of this. I bet we could transition you to small group which is going to save you some change and take you further down that road of being an autonomous client, which is really my secret goal is I want right. everyone to be able to do this absolutely on their own, design their own programs, at least, you know, generally understand why they're doing the things they're doing. And right. it takes them further and further down that road of being autonomous and, you know, make space for the next people to come in. Great. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Interesting. Do you have, um, when you good. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I know. I, I just had another question, but I don't want to take up time. No, with bring it. it. What do you got? I love talking I about just, this stuff. I was just going to ask you, do you have, um, so that's like group training times. Do you have classes mm -hmm. where it's a true kind of a class format as well? Or did you kind of walk away from that? Like if it's just a class where the instructor oh, has the froze curriculum. for a second, Ashley. Oh. We are How currently are we... frozen. Oh, no. 
Are we good? Oh, I hear you. There we go. Weird. Okay. Sorry about that. We're good. It's quite all right. You started to ask me a question, something about group classes. Yeah. So it sounds like you have the, I'll just, I'll call it the open gym, you know, model, just open gym with people mm -hmm. training program. But do you have it where people can come to classes and there might be 12 people in the class and the, the coach is, is leading the curriculum and everything else where it's a sort of a true class feel? Do you have that as well? Yes. Currently we have that as well. I, it's, it's a smaller portion of what we're doing. I think eventually it's going to go away. I think eventually the classes are going to make way for all individual design uh, because the individual design stuff is so powerful that it's just going to subsume it. People are like seeing so much value from it and it's more expensive, but it's not, it's not even close to personal training. So I think it's going to overwhelm and eat it. I love it. Yeah, good. I'll, I'll keep in touch with you a little bit more about that, but I love the concept. That's cool. Okay. Thank you. Of course. I'm happy to talk about this stuff. I was going to yeah. double back and think of thinking about your, your, your entree into gymnastics bodies and eventually creating move and how remarkable your recovery was. Why do you think that the calisthenics and strength principles that work so well aren't applied in physical therapy more often? Oh, such a great question. Honestly, I think that the physical therapy model has become as dangerous as the medical model. Uh, physical therapists that go to school, they learn a lot of the basic stuff about joint manipulations and joint mobilizations. They learn anatomy, obviously. Uh, but the interns that I've met aren't really learning much in terms of manual therapy, like actually really getting good at working on tissues. Like they can do it for a while, but not to the extent that, that your really high level private PTs do. And then I think that it's just as far as not learning corrective exercise or really going deep down the line of calisthenics, I think it's just because of the time. I mean, PT school is, I'm not, I think it might be uh, two to maybe four years. And so I just think with the amount with the volume of information that they have to get through to pass board exams, it's just a lot of stuff and sort of a lot of general overview with some specifics. I don't think it just goes deep enough into that and into training because it might not be viewed as the role of the physical therapist in this model, which is insurance based. It's clocking in, clocking out. It's seeing your seven people and there's a PTA on that person and that person, and that person and that person. It's just set up as a business model. So I don't think, I think it's not taught because there's not enough time to go into it. And it might not be viewed as the primary role of the physical therapist. That's rolled the primary role of, you know, personal trainers, but then the PT industry isn't given the respect that it needs either. So that's a really good question. I think that it's because of the limitations of time and what PTs need to focus on to actually practice as a PT in this world, in this country. I think that's a good insight. I think there, there isn't enough time to certainly deliver the kind of, because what, what exercise expertise are you going to decide that you're going to settle on for all PTs, right? Like, are we doing starting strength? Are we doing gymnastics bodies? Are we doing yoga? Are we doing like, what right. are we going to pick and how are we going to stand behind it? And how do right. we justify giving six credits to this work when there's so much to do? And how much of this is actually going to be covered by insurance? 
I work, I'm happy to be able to work with and refer to a number of physical therapists who incorporate a lot of strength training and a lot of exercise in their work. Um, I actually have a local PT who owns, uh, he's a pretty big practice. He has six or seven locations now. And he now has a rule that any physical therapist who he hires also has to learn to be a coach if they aren't a coach already. You That's have cool. to be able to coach exercise. You have to be able to watch people move, co like correct their squat, their deadlift, their swing, their hang, their scat pull up, their all of that stuff and, and practice it because he works with a very active population. And if you can't do that, you're not going to take, you're not going to actually get them where you want to go. Right. right. You can take them to their activities of daily life and they can bathe themselves and get down the stairs and get to work and feed themselves. And, and that's all super important completely yes. to the physical therapist scope. I want, yes. I, I, I don't have any business there, but then yep. there's the next step where I think, um, the physical therapists that inspire me, of which there are more and more, I'm excited to say, and highly educated, inspired coaches actually have a lot of overlap. Right? Yeah. I can't, I can't, and won't put my hands on people. That is entirely PT. But once we're in like uh, corrective exercises and interesting occlusion therapy and heavy slow resistance and working on connective tissue health, like yeah, we can both do it. Who wants to do it? You want to, you want to keep them there. You want to send them to me. And that's also how we work a great referral system both ways. When yes. I hit someone, I'm like, honestly, you need someone to like touch your shoulder and do something to it. I'm going to send you to Dr. Walters or Dr. Davidson or Dr. Herding or one of these people that I trust implicitly. And they get people and like, honestly, you need to be strong, stable. You need to breathe a little more. And you, you definitely can't afford to come to me four days a week. Uh, you should go see Justin. Right. And, it, that's awesome. and it's, yeah. it's not a kickback thing. It's a recognizing scope and expertise thing and exactly where this person needs to go doubling back on what you said after actually listening to what some to to who that person is discerning what their goal is and then building yep. the entire program to actually actually get them where they want to go not just what insurance will cover or what you think your favorite goal is or things like that well i know that that is really great you have those pts close by and that you guys have connected and you can refer back and forth because you're you're right your, your scope of practice isn't to get in and, and work the tissues in the shoulder. That should be their scope if they're a good physical therapist. If they're a good physical therapist, they'll do a good job of manual work. And as you know, that's not, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not that common. So that's great. And for them to recognize, hey, I need a really good referral source for my folks that their ADLs are great. They can do all the stuff, but we need to get a lot of strength back in this body for this to not continue to occur and for this person to be leaner and happier and healthier. That's a great system. And we're working on those relationships, more of them right now as well, getting like the junior coaches up to speed so that they have those relationships with the physical therapists that do that kind of work as well. It's really powerful and it's interesting to what degree it builds trust. I'm yeah. ne next, next Tuesday, I just made an appointment an hour ago. I'm going out to coffee with a local chiropractor who started mm -hmm. following me on Instagram. And I said, hi, how are you? How'd you find us? And it turns out they're local and they're very interested in returning people to activity and getting people out of chronic pain and very interested in not having someone see them twice a week for the next 10 years and like super solution oriented. I was like, you know, I don't have like a pure chiropractor that I trust to refer people to right now. Could we, right. and we're going to chat and maybe it won't work out. And maybe there'll be something where, you know, one of us sets alarms off in the other one, which is fine. But building that sort of what I think of as like the healthcare network around you, mm -hmm. when you refer someone out to someone good, to a great physical therapist, to an osteopath, to a, a chiropractor, to an acupuncturist, to a great sports massage person, whatever it is, 
and it goes well and it works, it builds a huge amount of trust for the coach. And there's, yep. there's, I find coaches, usually younger coaches, have this sort of like scarcity mindset where like, no, these are my clients. I'm not sending them any, why would I send them somewhere else? I can, I can solve this problem. You're like, well, yes, but you can't, you can't release that tissue. You just can't. And you know someone else could. The amount of trust you will build by sending them to the right person is enormous because they will come back and they will tell other people that, oh, my trainer's really smart. He knows all these yep. smart people. He's really connected. You should go see Justin because totally. it feels like a safe, competent place to be and a little less like the Wild West of fitness. Right. <laughs> I love that. Love hearing that, that, uh, that you're, you're, you're thinking that way because you're right. When you get a chance to work with a client who's had you know, frozen shoulder in the past and the tissues are still all heated, you know, and you send them to someone who handles that. I mean, that gives someone their life back. So yeah, great yeah. job. I'm writing notes as we're going. Yeah. You're doing awesome. How, well, that's not, I, we came here to talk about you. So I want to, you said that you are really enjoying working online now. We also work a lot online with people. Yeah. How does, why does online work? Why is that so compelling for you? Well, because we can reach folks that aren't in Florida and years and like quite a number of years ago, I, when social media was still a bit new, I had so many comments about wishing that we had, there was a facility in Florida. This is probably six years ago, a little bit as, as I was getting established and in, in moves really, really early days is I wish you were here or that your facility it was here. And I'm like, well, it, we, we don't need to be there and you don't need to be here. Um, you know, and so in the online model, we do our approach is very similar. And it probably, I'm assuming it is for you. Like people go, I'd like to work with you, but I'm not there. And you go, well, you don't, you don't need to be. <laughs> um, so that's how we work. We get uh, our clients. We treat like they we treat like they are here. So we do uh, Zoom calls for updates. We do video review. Our initial assessment is pretty comprehensive. I mean, we go into sending folks screening videos where we, we, we based on, uh, on uh, history calls before that, we know, all right, like we've got to look at this bridge. We've got to look at middle split and front split. We've got to look at uh, pulling. It just depends totally on the person. We have advanced, very advanced athletes online. And we have folks that are just scared to like do a, a lunge because of their knees. <laughs> you know what I mean? So everyone in the online space that we work with comes to us with different um, issues and we address every person differently, totally differently, actually. So that's how we, we work online. And I get questions about franchising and I just think, and I like your opinion on this. Why, why would I, why would I want to do this again? Like in Tampa or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's my first is actually my yeah. first and most response. Like, do you know how much work this was? Do you have any, like, yeah. Allow me to vent for half an hour and I might yeah. be able to like go through the journey of what it's yeah. taken to get here and have these coaches on board who are incredibly intelligent and gifted and skilled. Uh, I mean, if, if we could each clone ourselves, I could potentially imagine doing it, but no, we don't need to have a, we don't, I don't want a franchise. I think, I, I think that'd kill me. I think it would, I think it'd break my soul. And if you <laughs> wanted to friend just, just highlighting something you said, or maybe picking it out a little <laughs> bit. If you want to franchise, you would have to develop a complete coaches education program first. Like you would like the only way to do that because these people are so central, you would actually have to reverse engineer and build the education, get yeah. people in it, 
some of the people who passed it would be potential candidates for the next franchise. Like it's a whole thing. People, I, I totally resonate with that. I get all the time people ask how we're going to scale Feel Strong. It's like, nah, I'm good. It's like, yeah, but you're like, you've got a waiting list and you should like hire a few more coaches and you can have other people do this. You could, one person wanted me to offload people to like a virtual assistant. I was like, you don't understand anything about what oh, I do. Right. Like, yeah. absolutely okay. not. I'm not processing POs here. Like we're dealing with the rest of people's lives under no circumstances. And it's like, no, I'm, and it, it took so long to build it and it was so hard and I, I'm very happy now. And it's okay to have like that old story about Kurt Vonnegut and Joseph Heller walking around that rich guy's house. And Joseph Heller looks around and says, oh, you know, I have something this guy will never have enough. Yeah. It's okay to be happy. I, I, I Same page. Totally. I can't believe someone suggested that you could, you could delegate your clients out to a VA. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, you know, some, some nonsense business oh. consultant who just didn't understand, like they were trying to be helpful and they didn't understand, but it was such a laughable moment where I was like, we're not a good fit for each other. Uh, right. And that actually brings me to my next question. Cause I think this, this is always an interesting question for coaches, especially in the online space. What kind of client would not be a good fit to work with you online? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, be good for us online or in person, but definitely online would be those that are really non-committal and uh, have a, a lifelong habit of making excuses for why they can't get something done. So in other words, if uh, we have clients who just won't film videos, like won't, they just won't. Uh, well, you know, you know whatever reason and like weeks week in and week out of like not being able to get us the the data that we need to to coach so just folks that kind of won't they just won't do the work and and they know they won't do the work um and they're just kind of kicking the tires those types of folks are really tough to work with because we can't we literally can't progress them other than that um, I'm just, those are the only, is there a level of injury or physical limitation that would stop you from taking someone specifically as an online client? I mean, if I had, yeah, if someone approached me and they were a, a total train wreck, like on tons of meds, had had 16 surgeries, overweight, no access or no access to any kind of a hands-on like chiro or physical therapist or manual therapist of any kind, and uh and like obese and on meds those folks it's just like no it, it, that that's a that's a project and i'll take on and we will take on a someone who's a project that is like not on tons of meds and has made good efforts in the nutritional space like they've already made effort to get themselves better and they're looking at us for potentially a bit of a missing link, but we just can't work with folks who are in such a deep state of a train wreck. And then they've layered on meds and meds and meds and meds and meds, and they don't and won't have access to any person in their area who can like have their hands on them to help with pain and injury. Those folks, you know, no. So if no. enough things are outside of your scope and they're, they demonstrate that they're unwilling to get help to short yeah. those other elements, then that's just yeah. a note because it's not going to work. For sure. Yes, for sure. Those that are makes the perfect sense. Folks. Yeah, those are the only folks that I can think of over the years that we haven't taken on or to some capacity 
if we've tried, there's been a lot of trouble getting feedback with training vids and stuff that we need to, to do our job. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about it. That's a good question though. Um, what do you find in, in the online space with folks that you just won't take on even to start? There's a bunch of medical red flags that mean I can't work with them. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, numbness, shooting pain, um, depending on sometimes if they're having a lot of trouble sleeping, if the pain is causing them trouble sleeping, uh -huh. depending on yeah. what it is, that can be a red flag. Um, if their activities of daily life are really disrupted, you know, I had someone the other day, uh, well, not the other day, about a month and a half ago, but who was essentially trapped in their house because they couldn't navigate the stairs and didn't have enough help to do it. And it's heartbreaking, but I had to say, you know, we're going to refer you to a home health aid um, system company because this isn't, you need a lot more than me 45 minutes, three times a week. Like you actually need some hands-on help. So it's right. a collection of people who actually need a medical professional and they don't accept that or haven't gotten there yet or wish that wasn't true. The other kinds of people is I'm, is mostly has to do with inspiration. Like if you are purely performance oriented, if you're like, I've got a 395 back squat and I know I have 405 in me coach. I just got to get there. It just doesn't fire me up anymore. So I will, right. I will refer you to someone else who gets really fired up about that stuff. Got it. If you're yeah. like, I used to have a back squat and I wish I was strong, but my hip doesn't work the way it used to. And I can't go for a run anymore. And I'm worried that in 20 years, I'm not going to be able to play with my kids. Actually, I'm a lot more inspired now. Let's have a conversation. And Got maybe it. heavy squatting is going to be part of your life. I'm certainly not against squatting or moving weight or things like that. But it's yeah. mostly the, the pure performance and sport goals. Just They just don't fire me up. And they do fire other people up. So everyone's going to be happier if you work with someone who finds that super totally. compelling. Very good points. Yeah, understood. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Which is also, I recognize like, you know, and it sounds like you're there too. Like, it's very... It's an extremely fortunate place to be able to pick the clients you want to work with and to not worry too much about saying no to somebody and do a great job referring them to another yeah. coach who most people would look at as competition. And I look at it as just putting the right client with the right coach, which is all we actually want. Of course. Yeah. If we are not a good fit, we're very upfront. About it. Yeah. 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 At the you facility. also do. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would, it, no, you're, you're cool. I was just at the facility and online. If someone's not a good fit. And we know we can't help. We don't, we don't try. Yeah. Which yeah. is good. Lots of people don't do that. Lots like a credit card is enough to get in a lot of places. <laughs> That's funny. We should, I'd like to see that in action. Actually. It's been so long since I've seen that. I'd like to see that. <laughs> credit card and a pulse. That'll do it. <laughs> You're funny. Credit card and button pulse. Now, uh, y'all also do a lot of nutrition work, correct? Yep. Not as much as I used to, but I mm -hmm. am tapping back into that field again. Yeah. Yeah. Tell and me I just a little bit about that... what do you do with people? Well, okay. Nutrition, I work with mostly in the online space now. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit, I'm bringing it back into the facility because, you know, and I'll, I'll sort of round this story out a little bit is I'm very passionate about nutrition. I was really passionate about it, about it, you know, 15 years ago, um, studied, studied it a lot, got a, you got a master's degree, tried to go down the RD route, which is very difficult to do as you know, unless you want to quit your business for six months and do the hospital internship. It's, it's not, it's really wasn't, didn't make any sense to me at all. 
uh, and then did the CNS, um, which is, you know, certified nutrition specialist, which is kind of reserved for chiros and MDs. So I did that, passed that. And I found that, you know, with nutrition, the, uh, I, I used to think that it, it, it was kind of sort of complicated for everyone. And I was like, wait a minute, the principles of nutrition for most people are very much the same. And if people get their basics right, they're going to, they're going to win. So at the facility, what I'm focusing on now is delivering uh, a good nutrition course that covers good general stuff. Like what are the macros? What are essential fatty acids? What are micronutrients? How do you personalize this stuff? And getting it to a point where I and one of one of our other coaches can just guide a client on the basics and see what, have them track every day and be able to point out things that aren't going quite right and why and what needs to be changed and just go at it one step at a time. So that's my approach with nutrition now at the facility. And we will refine that and continue to fine tune it because I want everyone that comes in. We have a lot of people that come in and they're very overweight. So obviously a better diet has to be part of their training protocols. So I want them to be able to learn that stuff seamlessly as they train so that they're like, I have never experienced this combination of training nutrition before. And thank you. Cause this is working for me. That's kind of where I'm at with it now in the online space. It's, it's definitely a bit different where I take a pretty deep dive into uh, again, what's worked and what's not history, get a good week's worth of uh, data tracked inside an app so I can see the patterns. And from there, it's mostly refining patterns and teaching people and being able to show them and have them see based on their own day-to-day food intake, what's kind of going wrong. And they can see, wow, you know, I'm, I eat a meal and a half a day. No wonder I'm not feeling so awesome in the gym and my sleep's disrupted. So it's just fixing habits that aren't, aren't working. And having that be part of the culture in the gym is a lot more powerful than people think. Even just having to be part of the conversation of coaches, you know, the most normal thing is like, oh yeah, you talk about what you ate and you're not, and you know, uh, I, don't you, you don't be weird about it, right? Everything isn't like the most perfect, gorgeous, Pinterest, whatever, super healthy, free range, organic, all that stuff is fine, but it's also super intimidating to people. If you're like, yeah, I was in a rush, so I have two hard boiled eggs from 7-Eleven. I'm a little skeptical, but they say they're eggs, so I believe it, and <laughs> a protein bar and a liter of water, and this is gonna be okay. This is my breakfast yeah. snack. I'm gonna be able to eat in two hours, and I'm gonna be okay. Right. And talking about it, normalizing that stuff just seeps into the culture. And then people people take it home with them. You start affecting what we really want to do is affecting societal and cultural change outside of the four walls of the gym. So not only is their lifestyle, the client's lifestyle being affected, but then their family's lifestyle is being affected. Yeah, and their right. friends. And they right. start making these decisions and using this language and, and positive social changes happening all over the place because you weren't scared to talk about your hard boiled eggs and it's okay to, <laughs> you know, bring these things up and talk about it. I may have hard hard boiled eggs from seven eleven this morning. It's possible. And you may have protein bars, it sounds like too. Yeah. Boy, yep. in there. Yep. God, I, I wasn't like- proud, but it was five fifteen in the morning and I was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm not gonna make it to ten AM if I don't do something. Yeah, right. <laughs> The first form level one bars are just, they're incredible. Absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. You got to try, if you don't, if you haven't tried those before, you got to give them a shot. I've they're had, so are they new? I had a first form bar like two years ago. Okay. The level one mm-hmm. bars, I think they've redone them. They're kind of new, but they've got a couple of others that are whole foods and they're, they're the okay. ingredients are actually very, very good. They've done, they've done a nice job with their bars. Yeah. 
a good yeah. protein bar is impressive because it's very hard to do. Like just the, just the actual packaging it and getting it to sit on a shelf and not spoil is not the easiest thing to do. I know. I can only imagine. But anyway, just a little plug there for the first forms, first form bars. They're yummy. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. uh, speaking of plugs, in a moment, I'm going to ask you where people should go to find you. But before we do that, I thought it might, might be useful. What kind of person should reach out to you? Because there's people listening to this right now who are like, I don't know, gymnastics, calisthenics, nutrition. It sounds interesting. She seems lovely, but uh, is it really right for me? Like, what's what, what's what? Who's your ideal client out there? Yeah, great clients for us are people that are already training, or they used to train and they're looking to come back to it, and they're like, how, where do I start? Like, how do I start for me? How does how do I work with a smart coach who can tell? what I should and shouldn't be doing, who can do really intelligent program design. It's people like that. They're kind of, they're in the game already and they want to make a pivot or they want to come back into the game of training and taking care of themselves. And they're just not sure. Do I, I wish these people were here in my city, but they're not. Okay, good. Reach out to us for online. And if they're in this area, then folks are learning, you know, come to move. So it's people that are new to the game or coming back into the game or already in the game and want to make some changes. Even folks that haven't really trained much before, but they're active, they're active and they want to get into the game and they want to get into it in a way that's fun and progressive and intelligent. Those are really great folks for us. I love it. And I know there's people like that listening. All right. Tell them where to go. Where should they go? Give them all of the information. Well, let's go. And I'm going to ask for your IG as well, Justin. Mm -hmm. um, so move is uh, move uh, underscore training calisthenics. And then my personal IG is Ashley R. Gass, G-A-S is in Sam, S is in Sam. So you'll find us. If you find one of us, you'll find both. Uh, and then our website is movegst.com. And if you, if, you find move, if you find our website, you'll find us on social media. So we're very easy to find now. Perfect. Done and done. And we will put all that stuff in the show notes of the podcast also. So if yes. you're listening to this on some device, just press the podcast and all the notes should show up and you'll have links right there to go to Ashley's or Moves IG or the website or all of these things. All the above. Justin, what is your IG? Uh, it's Feel Strong Fit. Okay. Yeah. I think I've got you on there. If not, we will soon remedy that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll find you today. Feel strong fit. Okay. Uh, Ashley, this was a joy. Uh, it wasn't at all what I thought the conversation was going to be, and I had an absolutely great time. Well, good. I hope it was better than you thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was fantastic. This is great. We're going to keep in touch. Yeah, I should come to PA. Well, one of these days I'll make it out there when it's a little warmer. I'm kind of a spoiled Floridian. It's now. only cold. It's only cold. You've been cold before. You started in Canada. I know. I know, but I'm trying to avoid it, <laughs> except <laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> Um, Justin, thank All you. Right. We appreciate you very much. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a five-star rating if you have the time. That makes a really big difference. If you have questions, you want details, DM us on Instagram at feelstrongfit. There's more information on the website at feelstrong.me. We value effectiveness, individualization, and empathy. See what it's like to have an expert in the field, really listen, hear what you need, and build you the perfect program to get you where you want to go. Today is the perfect time to get started. Reach out.